0: Hello and welcome to the Backpage, a video games podcast. I'm Samuel Roberts I'm joined as ever by Matthew Castle. Hello. This podcast is supported by Patreon. Patreon.com slash BackpagePod. You can get up to two bonus podcasts a month from us. In fact, it is two. You get two extra podcasts (laughs) if you sign up to the XL tier, which is um, £4.50 plus VAT or your local um, currency equivalent. Matthew... We should talk a bit about Patreon because we addressed it briefly on the Joe episode. We've passed £1,400. Pounds. It's gone beyond our wildest expectations. How are you feeling about the whole Patreon launch thing?
1: Uh, I've replaced my eyes with rubies. You'll <laughs> be glad Very to hear. Um, so yeah. I'm augmenting myself with nit wealth. Um No, great. Yeah, I'm, I'm yeah, super, super pleased. And you know, I hope people are enjoying the... Uh, XL episode and uh, we're about to or soon to
0: record the XXL episode which I'm excited for too that's going live on April 25th shortly after this episode so um Yes, the first XXL episode um, is Japanese Crime Fiction 101. Matthew has given me homework to read a book, which I've started reading, and then um, he will talk <laughs> us through the genre. Matthew, you're going to connect it back to games, is that right? You're going to like um, say, if you like this game, try this? That's the plan. I thought I'd do like a, if you like this, you will you might like
1: this book. I mean, there's going to be some crowbarring, because obviously these things aren't the same. You know, they're... they're um... <laughs> so I'm going to do my I'm going to do my best to 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 make it slightly game relevant
0: and hopefully not too boring. No, I think it'll be really good. So that's um yeah for people who aren't signed up to the Patreon or have maybe missed that we've launched, we've got an Excel series of episodes which is uh, themed around video games. So our first one is already live. That's best boss battles. Um, the next one will be live on the second Monday of May, and that'll be um, a 20 Xbox backwards compatible uh, games that are worth revisiting and then yeah the um the xxl series is all pop culture related so this month is japanese crime fiction next month it's marvel movies ranked like the mcu movies ranked
1: from the sublime to the ridiculous <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> um so yeah it's um if you if you like the podcast you want to support it that's um a thing you can go and do thank you to everyone who has supported us so far we're really grateful so yes on with the show matthew um i would say actually the patreon has already positively affected uh, the podcast because i've put probably more time into researching this one than any of the episodes in recent memory. Um, And I think it's because I'm being paid for my time now and I feel like I have to set aside like allocated time for the podcast, whereas before it's a bit more ad hoc. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I've got guilt money now. So um, yeah, but um, no, it's good because it's like, well, I can absolutely justify putting like two evenings into playing these games because I'm being paid for it by people Mm. who like the podcast. So that's The podcast owns your ass. (laughs) (laughs) Very much so. Um, but Matthew, I thought I'd ask how how are you doing? Because um, I uh, we, I think we've only spoken about podcast business really for the last few weeks, and I thought I'd just get a lay of the land with uh, with old Matthew Castle, see how he's doing.
1: Yeah, good. I've got the week off this week, so I'm uh, I'm finally playing some games i sort of mentioned this in one of our patreon posts sorry to keep talking about patreon i know this <laughs> sounds like it's mega shill it's not it's it, it's g- genuinely relevant we do a regular post about like what we're playing reading watching and i talked in that about um spoilers for those not on patreon um, <laughs> what a disastrous segment this is sam uh, let's <laughs> <laughs> go <going> well <laughs> uh how i've got i'm suffering from like incredible like choice paralysis with games at the moment in that i'm about two hours into 10 different games and i'm really really struggling to kind of get into anything and i sort of spent the last weekend kind of playing another hour of a lot of those games trying to work out what am i going to spend my week off doing because i really want to actually make some headway and finish one of these damn things and i think i've settled on horizon 2 is the one i'm going to try and finish so that's, mm. that's the game that has broken the stalemate. So I'm glad to be out of that.
0: That's good. Um, our next episode is a what we've been playing episode, I think. So um, I'm sure you'll be able to talk more about it then, which is exciting. Yeah, but, have um, some hot takes. Yeah, I just finished Guardians of the Galaxy, actually, which um, I had like I had like two hours left to go for about a month. And I was like, well, I've just got to fucking do this and get on with my life. So um, <laughs> I've, I've done that, <laughs> which is how you want to feel about a video game, isn't it? But um, no, it was legitimately great. It was just like finding the time. I, like you... I've started about a dozen different things and then not gone back to them. Like, um, uh, Sifu, I need to go back to Tunic as well. Um, and, like, uh, yeah, there's a, a grown pile of those games. Go and... back and try and get the shield and Tunic. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I've had the shield for a
1: long time now. No way. You're um, fighting the last boss and you with just the stick you picked up at the start.
0: <laughs> oh, it doesn't seem right. <laughs> yeah, it turns out I'm the greatest player uh, of all time. But, um, <laughs> yeah. Um, Matthew, I also have to, have to ask about... Uh, intermezzo closing so for those who've listened to the podcast for a long time we are synonymous with sandwiches on this podcast um partly because we did that ranking at the end of uh, last year and we talk uh, you know you and i are are partial to sandwiches as um, listeners may have noticed by now intermezzo is a local bath um sandwich haunt Matthew, despite living here for like 15 years or something, only just discovered Intermezzo last year. Now it's closed, Matthew. How's um how's it been?
1: Yeah, it's quite sad. I went in on the last day and um, told Tony that he was really good at making sandwiches. I felt like he deserved to hear it. <laughs> uh, he's been doing it for 21 years. The man is an artisan. He was very sort of self-effacing, was like, well, you know, Th- this the shop's being taken over and is going to be run like as it currently is. And I was like, well, you know, twenty one years of craft, you know, you can't just instantly kind of replace that. Which he seemed to he seemed to like hearing that. So yeah, it was it was um you know it was kind of a bittersweet a bittersweet moment. Had had you know my southern fried chicken baguette, which I really should stop eating because <laughs> it's so unholy. I think Um like I'm definitely definitely. um like sprinting towards the grave, if I keep that up, <laughs> if you're having it every day, then yeah, that's a lot. It's not it. great, is it? I don't uh, have it every day i should- I should add, but I have it way too much for for a of fried chicken and a load of bread, which just no uh I like that I posted a picture of his going away poster, and one of
0: our listeners <laughs> called it cursed when it actually it was meant to be sweet. <laughs> It was a bit cursed, the image of him, though. It was also slightly generous, I would say, as an image. But, um, yeah. Well, I don't...
1: I, like, if I was to draw a
0: cartoon of him,
1: I think that's what I'd draw. You know, he's a little, little guy with silvery hair. It's like the me version of him, I guess.
0: <laughs> yeah, but slightly more off-brand me. Like, when you buy, like, a um A sort of like Nafwe party uh, game. Um, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's like, like Bandai Batman. Namco's own in-house me system, like Carnival Games energy to it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, um yeah. So I, um I did actually avoided it on the last day because I didn't want it to be like a big deal that I was buying a sandwich on his last day, and I couldn't be bothered to like. I do not know if there was a discussion I'd have to have, like the discussion you just had then. I don't want that level of personal relationship with a guy who makes sandwiches for me. I'm happy for it to be transactional. So <laughs> I deliberately avoided it on the last day. Um, so yeah, that's that's just me. That's know, a very just, me This is thing. just how we differ as people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not that sentimental as, oh, as a person. Oh, I'm, really. I'm hugely sentimental. Yeah. You kind of went in like, a, I don't know. It's just, yeah, that's like, I don't know. You have to go in and tell him that you respected his craft and stuff. And I feel like the you know 5 pounds each time i bought a sandwich was an implicit um sort of endorsement of his craft so i didn't feel the need <laughs> to like vocalize it
1: this is fair this is fair
0: so i went and had a lovely um egg mayo baguette from um whole bagel instead I've become a big egg mayo guy of late that's like Ooh, one of my uh, pillars of my personal ground it's, it's not like the in.
1: sexiest thing to be associated with like <laughs> no, saying
0: i'm an egg mayo guy doesn't sound great i wouldn't put it on like a tinder profile or anything <laughs> like it's you know that's not what I'm, I'm all about as like a person but um yeah it's uh, i don't know like it's one of those things that's very cheap but like when done well is um can be exquisite and uh yeah, never tried this whole bagel one before and I'm um, I'm blown away. But um, yeah, I'm curious to see what the um, post-Tony age of Intermezzo will bring us, Matthew. <laughs> um, did you also find it funny when Math- uh, when John Denton posted that picture of Intermezzo and it looked like the least impressive um, shop of all time?
1: Yeah, I mean, that is what it looks like. Like, I'm not yeah. saying you don't go there for the store. I'm not saying mm. it's not like a big, you know, experience. It's not like these new shops where it's all about the shop being very Instagrammable. You know, that isn't really what Tony was going for at Intermezzo. Yeah. The, the man, he cut the chicken fresh, he mashed the egg fresh for an egg mayo baguette. Like, the guy, the guy's craft was beyond the shop front.
0: Yeah, I actually had that your favourite baguette uh, for the first time on, on his last week. Oh, don't um, tell me you hated it. No, no, it was rock solid, actually. I thought it would be a bit more like oven, out-of-the-freezer kind of fried chicken, but it was actually, like, legit. Um, I thought it was pretty tasty, so... <laughs> Yeah, uh, I was not not bad at all, Matthew. Um but yeah, I'm curious to see what this new age brings. Um at the moment though, I'm going to stick with the whole bagel. I'm going to let uh, the new Intermezzo owners hone their craft a little bit um till they're in the ballpark of uh, what sort of Tony is capable of and then I will resume my um patronage.
1: That's going to take 21 years. <laughs>
0: <laughs> by which point they'll retire and be replaced with someone else. Maybe they'll be replaced by like cyborg Tony. <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah, the that's, dream. Uh we can we can but hope yeah um yeah so that's that's good a little bit of a sandwich kind of recap there do you know what actually Matthew I was in Bristol recently and I went past the first time sandwich sandwich now that place definitely seems more Instagrammable. it's like a nice sort of storefront and stuff um but I felt like I don't I don't covered like a a key part of Matthew Castle law I'd only ever heard about I was like this is the shop right here this is the shop where yeah. Matthew would get a big fat sandwich and a big fat baguette and then get mocked by um Yorkscast uh <laughs> viewers on Twitch. Um yeah, but sadly it was closed, so uh, it'll have to wait for another day, Matthew. Do you ever miss it? That sandwich shop is elite. That's the greatest sandwich shop of all time, I think. Does it make Intermezzo look like, I don't know, GCSE sandwiches or something? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess. <laughs> Okay, very good. So, we come to the subject of this week's episode uh, seamlessly. Max Payne. We decided to do an episode about the Max Payne games because um the timing seems spot on. The um we actually just did the best games of 2012 before uh the remakes were announced. Um, so there are remakes of the first two Max Payne games coming from um Remedy, the original developers, um financed by Rockstar, published by Rockstar. This was announced in like a letter to shareholders, I think. Uh, Remedy is like a publicly listed company, so they have to kind of disclose this stuff super early, I think. So that's part of the reason why it was um, announced in the way it was. And um, we had just talked about Max Payne 3 on the best games of 2012, so it seemed like a good way to try to tie it all, um, tie it all together in like one episode. So me and Matthew have been like um, going through the series again, and we've put together quite a nice little episode here about the um, the trilogy. The first two games by Remedy, of course. The third game was by... Um, Rockstar Studios, mostly Rockstar Vancouver, it seems like, but a quite a big variety of people at Rockstar worked on this very lavish um, 2012 game. And uh, yeah, there's been a lot of discussion about this series recently on social media as a result of the announcement. So Matthew, I've got to ask, how are you feeling about revisiting this trilogy of games?
1: A little bit sheepish, to be honest, because having just absolutely curb stomped Max Payne 3 in 2012, and you know, we try to be a positive podcast, and it's rare that we out and out say, like, we don't like this thing and I did say that. Going back to it and kind of hoping it was what I said it was and then discovering what it actually is, maybe uh, <laughs> maybe there will be some eating of words. But <laughs> uh, otherwise, yeah, like a chance to return to... Definitely the first two games was super, super important growing up. This was back when uh, the very br- brief period we had a, a good PC at home and could play things. There's like a little three, four-year window where... Uh, you know i was a quote-unquote pc gamer and yeah these were like two of the the most important games of that period so yeah fun to return to them
0: yeah for sure i think um my experience tallies similarly where um my dad had two occasions where he had a decent gaming pc and then that those period lasted for about two years because he'd bought them off he bought the PC off someone someone else yeah and then eventually you'd you know be installing like a, a, a sort of more demanding game and it would crawl to like five frames per second and you're like well that's me done with PC gaming for another uh, five years very good <laughs> um but yeah I am um, I very much agree so what we're doing in this episode is section one is about max pain one and two we're gonna talk all about remedies games and um, break those down in fairly granular detail I would say Section two is um, Max uh, Payne 3 reappraised. Me and Matthew have both been playing that uh, this week and have lots to say about it. As Matthew alluded to there, maybe we've come out more positively than we were on the 2012 games episode. I liked it more than Matthew. I almost put it in my top 10. Um, But yeah, lots to say about Max Payne 3, I think. And I think um, if you're kind of curious about hearing that game sort of relitigated, we'll definitely do that on this podcast, talk about it in some good detail. And finally... Uh, In section three, an ill-advised comedy bit that's going to blow up in our faces and we may want to (laughs) cut the episode if it goes wrong. So, um... (laughs) We'll talk about that when we get to it, Matthew. So let's start with Max Payne 1 or 2. Um, What do you uh, remember about your first encounter with Max Payne, Matthew? One of the things that happens a lot with this game when you're reading about it is people talk about,
1: like, it was long gestating and went through lots of changes. I must admit, I encountered Max Payne when it was fully formed. Like, I don't think I was particularly aware of it until I read a review of it in PC Gamer and was instantly like, Oh, I definitely want that. I think the appeal back then, if I remember correctly, was just as simple as, oh, I like The Matrix, and so I want to play the bullet time game. I was obsessed with bullet time. If anything had bullet time, it was interesting to me, regardless of how many alarm bells sounded around the rest of it any kind of talk about that and i guess this goes after max Payne as well so many ill-advised things that i've played just because i was so obsessed with the idea of slow motion and shooting someone in the head in slow motion so i think that's like my my first kind of interaction with it was yeah probably through that review
0: i mean did, were you aware of this before it came out so i um i wasn't but like you i think it got 94 in piece of game something like that and it was like it was like the hot game when i was started reading piece of gamer again in like 2001 or two um i think it was the like end of 2001 i started reading it again and like um yeah there was just a sense that like uh this game had uh come along and just managed to capture the magic of the matrix's kind of like um shootout sequences in game form and like um had this very striking kind of noir aesthetic around it so it just seemed like this um, hot as hell PC game you just had to play and then I th- I, I actually can't remember exactly what the um, context was but I, I I played it in around like release time um, before it came to consoles uh, a, a mate of mine down the road had a, a much nicer PC than we did and so um I would play all the PC games from around this time on his PC like um, Jedi Outcast and um, yeah and, and Max Payne so I played it there for a little while I don't think I finished it um, and then I came to Max Payne again um, in 2006 when I was working at a convenience store. Uh, we had this weird kind of point-of-sale display that had a bunch of, like, shit DVDs on it and then, like, three Xbox games. It was, like, I think Project Gotham and Max Payne 1 and 2, and those were the three games on there. Um, and we kept the discs behind the counter in, like, these plastic sleeves because, like, we didn't want people nicking the boxes um, and stuff. But I ended up just taking the- those sleeves home and oh, playing not them. not
1: another game you just took home
0: and played. <laughs> I think I've already said this before in a previous episode. So this isn't like um new news. But um that suddenly remember I remember finishing Max Payne 1. I don't think I finished Max Payne 2 until um 2010. Like the second one passed me by a little bit. Um because I, I partly because I didn't have a PC at the time. I was a big um PS2 player at the time and um the PS2 port of Max Payne 2 was notoriously quite bad, I think. Um so that kind of passed me by. So yeah, I, I played it at the time, but then um, yeah, later on, probably became most obsessed with Max Payne around the time that like Alan Wake came out. Right, that was when I replayed both of them on, on Xbox. You could buy them on um, 360 backwards compatible, and that's where I um, sort of re rediscovered them. But yeah, first played them in a, variously throughout the noughties, basically. But um, a meaningful series to me too, Matthew. Um,
1: I had, um, yeah. I think this was the, f- the the only time in my life I've been PC snobby about a game. In that I, re- I remember thinking, yuck, who would want to play these on console? Because it, the control of it seems so tied to the mouse. Mm. Like, I couldn't even comprehend playing Max Payne. Like, I think I'd seen, yeah, pictures or, or you know, DVD footage of Max Payne 1 on PS2 and thinking you know yeah like, this is such a step down cuz this was you know this isn't like now where lots of things are much of a muchness there there was such a huge huge gulf and this felt like such a powerful like pc game like it really felt cutting edge and looked cutting edge the idea of any kind of like rougher version was sort of like laughable to my teenage mind <laughs>
0: yeah i think um i agree with you because a lot of this game was about like particle effects and um, cause and just the kind of the overall spectacle of when you jump into a room um hmm. go into slow motion shoot a load of dudes and then like just there and then like the kill cam kicks in and stuff like that it was definitely like um cutting edge like you say so um yeah i kind of i kind of got, got you on that but um i i understand you have played the xbox versions this week for your research is that right um, yeah
1: yeah and uh, you know i don't know what's st- sort of magic they've done but they they look great i mean
0: they're they're super shot i think these were like up right these were just i don't think they have the fps boost or anything i think they were just good ports at the time matthew
1: oh right well in which case um yeah I, i'd say this there's, there's a few control niggles which are a little odd in that i don't think you can invert the aiming in max Payne one I don't right. think, on Xbox, and it's a bit, of a, a bit of a faff because of that. But otherwise, they kind of, yeah, they look and move how I remember the PC games looking and moving. Like, they're they're a pretty smooth and easy way to play those games now, particularly as the games are a bit of an ass on PC. Like, there's, there's weird stuff with some of them, and, you know, you're only a YouTube uh, video away from working out how to fix a lot of these things. But in terms of, like, buy it, play it no fuss uh in a way i think the the xbox versions are almost like the
0: easiest way of playing them now i agree with you as someone who last played through max Payne one and two in 2016 and i had to i think run them in compatibility mode and then i had to run them like in windowed rather than full screen because otherwise it wouldn't display properly um so yeah like it was a faff it's why it's kind of a bummer that these games aren't on gog actually because um I would appreciate someone going in and just making them super easy to play on pc but yeah like you say xbox version's really good i think Ma- um, max Payne one in particular like um just looks super super smooth on xbox like um you know it feels like uh, it has parity with the pc version really um mm. max Payne 2 is maybe slightly like um slightly nicer on pc because it's a bit more uh, even more cutting edge with some of the stuff it does um mm-hmm. but uh, we'll get into that so matthew um playing the back Uh, What did you think of them? And did you notice any kind of um, meaningful differences between the two games playing them back? In my head,
1: Max Payne 2 was always the superior game. Like snazzier in so many ways. I much preferred the story. I remember it having like a lot more variety to it. I actually wonder having replayed the both of them if, if Max Payne 1 is maybe the better or the fuller action game in a way yeah max pain 2 has a lot more of like what remedy would become in that it's a, it's a kind of a blend of uh action game and a kind of in-game narrative experience and there's there's bits of that in max pain 1 too but in the second game like there's a lot more kind of stuff going on in levels that isn't just shooting people and because of that there are quite long stretches where you're not doing much action and it's also the fact that it is a shorter game or it felt like a shorter game to me than max Payne one like it actually feels a little lighter on the action than the first game all told but the first game's like a bit more simplistic it's policemen family were killed and you know years later he's still in recovery and ends up going on a kind of uh A roaring rampage of revenge um, against some people who are trying to set him up and it's dead simple like you go to each location basically hunting the next breadcrumb that will lead you to the next location you shoot loads of goons and repeat but because of that it certainly feels like you you do more like traditional playing in the first game which isn't how i remembered it at all
0: yeah i think that um a key thing is in the first game max is more anonymous than i maybe remembered him being when i first played it like he's kind of like he has the monologues you have this um you know it's a third person uh, you know shooter where you can activate bullet time at any point you can replenish that bullet time by killing enemies and then like the story is all told with these Uh, photoshopped uh, photos that are kind of presented in a graphic novel style with like um, you know sort of thought bubbles and um, speech bubbles and all that stuff with um, voiceover by actor James McCaffrey and um, a variety of other cast members Uh, so it doesn't try and tell the story in game which is a good idea because the character models are fairly simplistic Um, they use kind of like photo faces in quite an uh, infamous way um they're kind of like mapped onto these like fairly blocky um polygonal sort of models and uh of course everyone knows that the um uh, creative director at remedy uh sam lake his face was used for the um the model of the, the first um max Payne. but like um what i thought was really interesting and you and i both use this um edge making of piece on max Payne one and two as a kind of primary source i think for some of our research mm. is that um the script for max Payne 2 was something like 600 pages whereas the first one was like 150 pages and i think that's Mm -hmm. kind of like reflected by like you say the lack of in level niceties versus the first game but also in things like um max's story being much more fleshed out in the second one whereas here he's a bit more of a straightforward kind of like um revenge cop uh kind of Mm. storyline where you don't get like he monologues a lot but you don't get massively into a psychology but you do more so in the second one and so yeah i think like you say that maybe allows the first one to be a pure action experience but i think a lot of it does come down to length you know like you say it's like about two hours shorter i think max Payne too and they uh they seem to like be a bit more they cut some stuff according to um that interview with edge so uh yeah i wonder if that maybe affects it um, I also think Matthew, maybe you don't agree with this, and maybe people wouldn't agree with this generally. I don't think like the combat is vastly improved between one and two. I think like what is basically there in one is still there in two, but with more visual niceties. Did you agree with that? Bullet
1: time is the one thing that does sort of change between the two. In that, in one, when you go into bullet time, when you're not shoot dodging, Max is also slow. He's mo- you know you can still aim fast, but you move slow. Where in two you move faster it's like the world that goes slower and as you kill people and sort of combo them you enter like an even you get like faster or the world gets slower i can't i, I don't really know which way around the the effect is working um i think two is much an easy, much easier because of it hmm. two feels less about shoot dodging and more about you just whack the world in slow motion and like run a lap of the room gunning everyone down and almost leans into like the how visually impressive the technique is because you you know seeing a room in slow motion while things are pinging off and bodies are flying through the air and everything you know that's kind of why the effect exists you know you want to see stuff move in slow motion where the first one is almost like a little stingy with it there are very few opportunities just run 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 in slow motion and interestingly i think they kind of revert to that a little bit in max Payne 3 as well but i think Two's the one where they're just like yeah have fun isn't slow motion cool but the downside to that is it 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 makes it very very easy if that is a downside i don't know maybe you just want to see the game looking cool and that's enough
0: oh well maybe it's like um, a lot trickier on harder difficulties as well um like i think like to get the true ending you do have to be the hardest difficulty in max pain 2 but I'm always a kind of like medium kind of guy when I play these games. Um uh, side so, note,
1: the true ending is dumb,
0: I think. Oh yeah, it's really brief as well. It's like one panel that's changed basically. But it like undermines the whole thing. <laughs> Yeah, but like um, I don't know, it's like a, it's just a nice extra. I think. I think the canonical ending is that you know, Lady yeah. is dead and stuff. But
1: I just, I, yeah, I just think going from like a tragedy to not a tragedy is, seems like a weird unlockable.
0: <laughs> yeah, sure. So um, I think like the key difference between the two is like um, upgrading production values. Like the second one just feels much more lavish. Like um, the cutscenes in the uh, the kind of graphic novel style are much better presented. They replaced um, Sam Lake with actor Timothy Gibbs um so they and the kind of photoshop job they've done on them looks a lot nicer mm-hmm. um just like a big benefit of obviously having more money and time behind them like said, so, like i mentioned a massive havoc physics kind of element to this game where it's like kind of that max uh, that half-life 2 era of like um we can make shit move across the environment now to do different stuff so there's like right pa- paths emerging by things exploding and collapsing and like you know, just a path opening up from some, like, physics explosion kind of bullshit, um, yeah. which I think is, like, it's quite, it's, like, definitely, like, novel, I would say, but, it like, it's quite a quite a fun um reminder of that time when you play Max Payne 2 back. Um, did you notice that when you were playing it?
1: Definitely. I, I love how Max Payne's got this mechanic where the last person you shoot in a busy encounter, that's, you get the kill cam for them, where you sort of follow them in slow motion, and often it's someone positioned, just so that they've got a lot of physics enabled objects around them. So it'll mm. be like you shoot a guy off a balcony and he'll fall through like some planks, which will flip some paint cans <laughs> that are balanced on the other end or something. Like that, people are all, all these little things are sort of set up for people to kind of crash and careen into. The more stuff that moves in slow motion, the better slow motion looks. So I mm. kind of completely get it. I sort of completely understand. Like, if anything, I think replaying all three of these games, I'm surprised by how restrained they all are. I think if you made this game now and maybe we'll talk about this. There's a version of this which is like a lot more hectic and maybe a lot more visually satisfying. The kind of genuine self-made wow moments are actually a little few and far
0: between in all three of these games, I think. And that's partly I think because they don't want you to kind of like get caught up with anything other than the shooting. I think that getting the shooting right is just always more important to them than like um showing off or whatever with spectacle. Maybe that's not true, but I think it is. Mm. um the other, the other thing that the uh, uh the second game does like i say is it kind of like um max is a slightly more anonymous character in the first game but then like the doomed uh noir love story element brings more personality out of him it dials a bit more in on him as a character you play as mona briefly as well which is quite uh quite interesting as a kind of like uh perspective shift um mona trying to save max which i quite like um and like you say, it's a, a lot of it comes down to like how the um, world is presented and the, the overall fiction of the game is built out in a way that is, um, yeah, like, uh, well, I, I kind of inter- maybe I should dig into that more now with you, Matthew. But like, um, were you not as into those kind of like um, in environment non-combat bits that were designed to sort of like flesh out the world and Max more? Were they not to your liking on a replay?
1: I liked them at the time because I'd never seen anything like it. I, th- I think playing it now, it's become such a trope you know where people go we're gonna withhold the the kind of action loop and we're gonna be more about like interacting with the environment or some or, or a little kind of in-game character beat we've talked about this before in relation to uncharted it's a bit like where it has a you know we're gonna pat the ox or whatever the fuck it was you know this is almost the first original version of that in that You know, here's a level where you're walking around a police station for 10 minutes and before the action kicks off, you know, you're going to be able to overhear conversations or you're going to be able to, like, interact with some props and get a little bit more colour. And at the time, I hadn't seen anything do that. In fact, I was really racking my brains for, like, had anyone done this kind of stuff before, I'm not sure that they had in mm. this kind of space. I mean me- like maybe I'm wrong, but I really think like that is an area where it is cutting edge. It's it's the, you know, Remedy's sort of definitive in-house style, but I I do think if it has influence anywhere, it is that. That feels like the thing which we now run with a lot in games, where it just feels sophisticated to kind of resist being the dumb shooter that you actually are and we're like, "Hmm, how highbrow." But I'm kind of sick of it as a trope. Playing it now, I'm like, "Ugh." this like i'd much rather be shooting stuff in slow
0: motion i don't hold that against this game because it was a trailblazer let like you say in this mm. regard like um they were ahead of the curve on this and also there are no other games with max payne's specific style um like this kind of like mixture of like you know kind of going with film noir as a sort of base point but then layering on these kind of like different elements like sort of norse mythology scandinavian influences like mm. Um, you know, in the first, this is this is the first game, but like the kind of, um the V drug, the valkyr drug made by Acer Corporation, all that stuff, um, and the kind of the fact that it's always snowing makes it feel like you're in this kind of like um mythical version of New York. Um, mm. it's a bit, you know, and like in the second game, those com the conversations that are kind of play out between characters are a bit more. They're not quite the same as you see now which is um look how funny it is hearing these two characters interact look how cute it is um Mm. it's much more like um we want to just enhance the feeling of the setting the credibility of the setting by putting this stuff in there you know
1: yeah that's true the second game's got a really weird habit as well of, of giving you like ai characters who can die quite quickly and it isn't like a fail state it's like this person being with you was just like a bonus and you think, were they meant to die? Could you keep them alive? Like, what, you know, I, I'm just not good enough at the game to keep them alive in most cases. But there is this sort of interesting sense of, like, how long does this, can this guy feasibly last if I was just a little bit better at this game? And, you know, am I missing story content or does something play out differently if you keep them alive? I don't know. I maybe should have looked that up. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, there's other other elements to it as well, like, um, in terms of how that stuff's presented. Like, um, you hear. Uh, Mona in the shower at one point is like humming the theme tune to the game um, right. uh, late goodbye by poets of the fall you will also come across a cleaner who is humming it to himself in like a corridor um, and you'll come across um, like a room full of enemies where uh, one guy is playing like a piano version on the um, you know just he's just on a piano like an NPC then when you go in there he'll pick up a gun and start shooting at you and I don't know it's a level of detail to that sort of thing that was just kind of unprecedented at the time Yeah, and it's a, it's a kind of um it's it's a way of building on the sort of like fiction that I really like it's like that slight element of self-awareness to it that Remedy's work kind of has
1: I'm not putting down
0: like that tone
1: there's definitely bits of the execution I absolutely love like I you know I love all the hoodlum conversations basically this is a game where you walk into a lot of rooms people are having a funny conversation and then you get to decide when you jump out from behind some boxes and murder them yeah. and- You know, it's often guys just talking about, like, what they're watching on TV, and it's all, you know, it's laced with, like, pop culture references. The first game's got loads of, like, John Woo references, because I think more than The Matrix, John Woo seems to be the kind of... the the big sort of inspiration point. And you almost sort of feel bad, because all these characters are quite kind of... they're all quite characterful and fun, and then you just get the drop on them every single time and blast them in slow motion. But um, (laughs) I do like that... You
0: know, I like that stuff. I think the the, the kind of gangster writing is really goofy and fun. Yeah, it's a bit more fun than, say, like the equivalent of that in Arkham. The Arkham games, for example, where they're a little bit more interminable to listen to. Um, so, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm fond of that. Um, yeah, so, uh, Matthew, I suppose that feels like a good point to talk about the kind of like Twin Peaks style in-universe fiction element, which is a massive part of these games. Um, two has a lot more of this than one does. Um, and I think that's kind of like partly what you're alluding to there with stuff in the environment that um, that's kind of non-combat related. But one definitely lays the sort of groundwork. Um, you have numerous allusions to the story itself in like in the in-game TV shows like Lords and Ladies, the adventures of Captain Baseball Batboy, and then Address Unknown, which is a cancelled TV show, airing a marathon throughout Max Payne 2, um, featuring a, a doppelganger serial killer called John Mirror. Um, and then, and a protagonist clearly portrayed by Sam Lake, the original face of Max Payne. Um, and then the uh, the game's uh, theme song, Late Goodbye, references the John Mirror character in one of its lyrics. Um, yeah. And Lords and Ladies clearly stars uh, Marco Soresto from Poets of the Fall. So like a lot of these things kind of wrap in on themselves in a way that feels quite deliberate. Um, there's a lot of like Max and Mona stuff like alluded to in the different um, TV shows in the game. I was curious how you felt about this stuff because when when I first saw this I felt like I'd never seen this sort of thing done before and it very much felt inspired by the um invitation to love uh, um element of twin peaks um where there's like a soap opera that the characters are watching that's clearly meant to reflect the events of what's going on in twin peaks itself. So what do you what do you make of this as a kind of like a storytelling technique?
1: I I really loved it at the time as well and I, I still love it now. I think like the idea of stopping to play to watch TV and it had always like mad jokes in it definitely ramp it up in Max Payne 2. Like in one, there's only like a single episode of a couple of shows, I think, where in two, there are sort of entire series playing out across the the levels. So as you make your way through the game, it's like you're also watching a season of an entire TV show. I really like the world building between the two games. You know, there's a substantial set piece in Max Payne 2, which is set in like an amusement park, Based on Address unknown from the first game, that that stuff kind of always tickled me at the time. It, it's very similar to like, you know how you had the kind of Tarantino verse where there were like fictional brands that existed between the Tarantino films, and I was really really into all that kind of stuff. I don't know if that sort of just speaks to a sort of teenager. You feel like oh this is really like clever and you know this is like next level. I really get this. This really this is really on my kind of wavelength, but. This idea that there are all these kind of connections I really liked. Obviously that's something that they've really lent into now with their extended remedy universe. Something like that, yeah. Like they're basically trying to kind of tie all their different games together, and I think there were always hints. You know, like there's the the flamingo appears in Address Unknown, which is kind of like a Twin Peaks send-up, but then the Flamingo is also quite a key object in Control, for example, and, like, there's all this stuff they're kind of riffing on and these kind of ties. I think they're now trying to formalise it a bit more by, like, directly linking, you know, Alan Wake to the Control games, for example, and I do wonder if they're like, remake projects, you know, the fact they're remaking 1 and 2 is going to give them an opportunity to weave that further into the... The universe as well in a more formal way.
0: Yeah, I think that um, I think they're just really effective. The, the other thing is that I think referencing Twin Peaks or to discussing Twin Peaks has become a bit passe now. But there was like definitely a pre-streaming service moment where Twin Peaks was not in vogue at all, and like it sh- shortly before they released that Gold Box DVD in like the late noughties, That was when I got into Twin Peaks, and like the groundswell of people being interested in it didn't really exist in the same way. It mm. was kind of like a faded faded um show that was cited as influential sometimes but like wasn't um you know the kind of obsession built up enough that they managed to bring it back from the dead at one point i would say that seeing kind of twin peaks style like either references or illusions or borrowing techniques in a game at this point was like really there was really nothing else like it um and yeah find it very effective i agree with you You're only kind of need to watch that stuff once but um as a kind of like an element to build out the world it works really well and i like that certain like npcs are invested in different tv shows if you stop and listen to them and stuff and yeah um, yeah people properly care about them that's really cool Um, i like that because in the
1: first game lords and ladies is sponsored by like the big evil corporation at the heart of the game and in the second Mm. game it's sponsored by different people because you've obviously like murdered everyone at that company which i think is a, (laughs) a cute little touch
0: yeah for sure um so yeah very fond of that stuff okay other stuff matthew so what influence do you think max Payne had on other games you mentioned there that like the the presentation of cinematic storytelling in two may be carried over to um you know to the likes of naughty dog games and stuff like that but um more broadly how did you kind of chart the influence of max Payne and other games
1: it's so hard because i don't think there are many games like it to be honest which is maybe like a bit of a bust of an answer and I don't know if this comes down to the fact that this is just before like cover shooters become the norm and as an actual like mechanical action game bullet times hasn't got like I don't know like it almost like didn't have the legs or didn't have us like much depth to it like it's kind of hard to do much with it beyond you can jump behind boxes like I've been reading a lot about Max Payne these last couple of weeks a lot of retrospectives and it is kind of interesting to see sort of people go, well, you know, it felt nice and it looked cool. I'm not sure there's like much more you can do with it. Like there's there's not a huge difference between Max Payne 1 and 2 and even 3, you know, doesn't have much more to say on the topic.
0: I was actually struggling to see the direct lineage of this game. Well, surely you have to like say that this unlocked the idea of bullet time in games generally. And slow motion, you know, popped up in everything from like True Crime Streets of L.A., the, the games that were based on The Matrix. Um, yeah, were Die very Hard mixed. Vendetta.
1: That's, <laughs> one, that's one of the terrible games uh, that we got because it
0: had bullet time in it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, I actually think um, it, it benefited like True Crime: Streets of LA. Like uh, one of the the shooting in that game was one of the best things about it. And so um, the idea of a GTA-style game that had some slow mo and it was was quite quite novel. And certainly one of the reasons I picked it up at the time. Otherwise, you know, very flawed, of course, and um, you know, not well remembered. But uh, but still. And then um, right up to things like um, like games that have slow mo uh, mechanics, like Fear, for example. Fear very mm. much feels like a, it's in the Max Payne lineage, I would say um so yeah i think like it does have influence and 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 then like slow-mo is everywhere for a while i think that it's a fair point about like maybe there is a ceiling on how much you can do with it I'm gonna present my grand theory to you here matthew okay is that the max Payne games are as much puzzle games as they are shooters like um when you dive into a room it's about optimizing and like using your um, bullet time perfectly and like the reason you have that kind of like reset um the quick save mechanic on pc is so you can instantly go back in and do it again and like correct and correct and correct and i think that it's kind of like core loop is more puzzly than shootery because it does feel like you're looking for the perfect solution to like one problem which is a room full of enemies um then mm. you are like fighting a war of attrition i would say like um, Hmm. the action is very is commonly over in like a very very quick burst and i've always thought it feels maybe more like a puzzle than something like a much more like a puzzle than gears of war uh, gears of war does for example um Hmm. thoughts on that matthew castle
1: yeah so almost like a kind of precursor to like hotline miami
0: yeah yeah i guess yes i could sort of see that yeah
1: you know in that it's like you go into this room here's the deal you kind of know the setup. There's some reactions involved, but you also kind of know what lies in wait to you. I definitely think it's a, I think it's a trial and error game that simply doesn't work without quick save and quick load. I I agree with you 100% on that. I just don't know. To get really granular about it, if like the enemy placement and the actual like design of the environments is like complex or interesting enough to kind of draw
0: out that kind of puzzly element to it. I mean maybe. Like maybe but maybe they're simple puzzles. But like um it is like learning where the placements are and then like kind of rolling out a solution based on where, yeah. you, where you know the placements are. Um, yeah, it's it's tricky because yeah. the actual shoot dodge itself is like incredibly flawed
1: as a manoeuvre. Because, you know, it launches you really far. You have to have a space to go. You're also sort of stuck at the end of it. Basically, if you haven't killed everyone by the end of your shoot dodge and you're not in cover, you're, you're fucked because everyone just like empties their shotguns into you while you're on the floor. That's definitely the case in Max Payne 1, which is a it's a little bit clumsy where Max Payne 2, like you can carry on shooting when you're on the floor, um, which you can do in Max Payne 3 as well. I think you're right in terms of that is what's interesting and that is the kind of depth of this system. But I, I think... Like you said, the the roof is. I think the roof is like super super low on it. You know, I think bullet time is fundamentally a power fantasy, and I don't think anyone's really worked out like what to do with that power fantasy that doesn't just completely overwhelm the enemies. You know, it's very hard to give you the power over time and still make it a challenging, interesting game. Um, Mm. I think one of the more successful versions of it is um, Stranglehold, in that. It's, it's quite crass and clumsy in lots of ways, but they almost kind of work bullet time into a kind of Tony Hawk-style kind of combo system. It's a lot more about, like, motion and movement and the momentum, and you are a lot more powerful in that game. Like, you don't die as easily as you do in Max Payne, and so it balances that by just throwing, like, shit loads of stuff at you, and I almost think there's, like, some... Uh, you know, I, I almost think that makes... That, that finds like, something more to do with it in a way that a lot of other games
0: haven't. Yeah, okay, I can kind of see that. Um, What I will say is that I... um, When it comes to, like, bullet time versus cover shooting, like, bullet time disappeared very quickly, whereas, like, cover shooting we've had now for, like, 16 years since Gears of War was released. We're kind of (laughs) stuck with it forever. Um, (laughs) And I think that, like, bullet time got ripped off too much too quickly. And I think that it was... Partly tied to the Matrix as a concept, and so mm. when the Matrix became a bit passe when the films did in like 2003, I think maybe like interest in it burned out a little bit. Mm. um I would argue that cover shooting is not more fun than Bullet Time to me. I think it like made third person shooters too defensive um rather than o- offensive. I think that's what's great about Max Payne is that it's about diving into a room and being aggressive. Um, yeah, and the, re- the reason that we all liked Vanquish is because we were all dying for a third person game that was a more aggressive version of a cover shooter and so Platinum Games made that and it worked really well um, mm. but I think there was just a way too much sitting in cover blind firing, throwing grenades and hoping for the best going on with third person shooters <laughs> after Gears I think that's true so I was always curious like why one just burned out so quickly and one stuck around forever I think Gears is very mechanically sophisticated but I don't know. Like um, they both are like solutions to the same thing, which is how do you frame the logic of a of a shootout in third person? Yeah, um, yeah. yeah.
1: I, I maybe the gears gears last or cover lasts because it has, like you say, defensive and offensive. It has two sides to it. Bullet time is only ever offensive. Like mm. I, I, you know, there isn't much you can do with it outside of you have this brief advantage, and it's kind of about efficiency to just like pop people in the head and by the time you get to Max Payne 3 i we'll talk about this that is such a strange game in that it's you know, it's a game about basically trying to kill a room full of people with headshots or you die and like that is all you can really do with bullet time is that, like I think it is like an, in- an inherently flawed mechanic in that it just has nowhere to go it is just what it is the first time you use it forever like there's no variation in it you know, I have the same problem with like you know, Red Dead Redemption 2. Like by the end of that game, it's just a game about me shooting one bullet into ten heads, you know, in <laughs> slow motion and then going into the next room, shooting one bullet into ten heads and you think, Well, this is just there's just nothing here. This, you know, what 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 more can you possibly do with this? You know, none of this occurred to me when I first played these games. You know, when I first played these games, it was just everything I wanted. You know, it was going into a room and watching, like, splinters of wood from a table in slow motion and, you know, getting friends to come round or getting my brother to come and look at the PC because every room, you know, something cool and kind of unscripted happened. And, like, that that was always the appeal. But I think, you know, maybe with, like, your your critic's hat on, bullet time is doesn't really have the doesn't really have the chops
0: i think your point about like how cover shooting lets you do offensive and defensive whereas um bullet timer lets you do offensive is a good is a good um argument for sure um i think i am more pro the concept of bullet time than you though i don't think that like sitting in like you know red dead has a cover system too of course and i don't think that like sitting in cover for 40 hours is any more you know <laughs> any more interesting than using bullet time for 40 hours like i think like um if anything one will remain exciting while the other will feel more roped at least at least to me that's how mm-hmm. I, I would feel a cover shooting shooter system doesn't really develop over time it kind of is the same um, mm-hmm. at the start and at the end so that's there's like you know let, let's let face it like there are very few of these straightforward third person shooters even around now so clearly bullet uh, sorry clearly cover shooting is also reached its limit like um even like mm. gears 5 has open world stuff you know and like the division games are like open world games first and foremost with third person um cover mm. shooting combat in it so you know like um uh, the arguably like the a game that's built just on that and sold just on that they don't really exist anymore in the same way Mm-mm. um it's just the mechanic has persisted longer than bullet time has interesting though isn't it that's a good good discussion that um so um any thoughts on Re- Remedy's upcoming remakes Matthew how do you think they'll benefit from being spruced up
1: it really depends like how much of a remake they are I mean they sound like it's going to be substantial from the wording
0: right yeah yeah I think so like um I understand it'll be like uh, just ground up in the um controls uh engine the Northlight engine um so it'll probably look on a par with that it's only made for PlayStation 5 and Xbox Series XS and PC so yeah, you are basically looking at a fully contemporised game. Um, the contemporized version of these games that are two decades old, essentially.
1: You know, I'm really interested to see if they'll take any cues from Max Payne 3, which already felt like an attempt to kind of like modernise and, and add some quirks to it. I, I just wonder if all this stuff we're discussing, like, is a chance to address it? If it's a chance to go what they now know with 20 more years of making, you know, interesting quirky action games under their belts... Will they use that to move the combat on or alter the combat in any way? You know, I I actually think the control in um, con- uh, the combat in control was one of their like more interesting mechanically games. Just it had a lot more you could do. Like it had a you know the, the the variety of the powers and the different kind of tactics you could mix up. You know, I wonder that that to me speaks to a team which is you know, only growing in kind of confidence in how it's doing things. And I'd, I'd, I'm kind of interested to see that thinking apply to Max Payne, you know. I, I don't just want, like, a flashier engine remake of this where, like, all the enemy numbers are the same and the enemy placements are the same. You know, I, I hope they actually, like, try and do something more with it.
0: Yeah, see, I still think that Max Payne 1 and 2 are Remedy's best games. Um, <gasps> like, well, at least they're, they're my favourite games. I don't think... I, I think, like, they're still so singular and so perfect tonally and like i i think they're great um i don't disagree though that you can this is a good chance to like change them up make things a bit different maybe expand certain sections and shorten others and just you know um take an editor's sort of approach to it um i'm sure they will do something like that
1: you know one thing they're they're really good at is like using like 3d space in quite a head-flipping way in control like i liked how control like messed with certain things like where you're doing the the I can't remember the name of the department. The bit where it plays the heavy metal song, and you're like, you're basically like in Inception World or whatever. And I'd like to see that kind of technical know how like apply to, you know, the nightmare sequences in Max Payne 1 and 2. You know, I'm definitely intrigued to see the kind of stuff that was the proto version of what Remedy would go on to do a lot. You know, I'm interested to see how those scenes are improved by. You know, remedy that is much
0: better at those sequences now. Yeah, I, uh, I I agree with you on that. I think you'll likely see more of that Max Payne two presentation that would shape future remedy eight games spill back over into Max Payne one, which is fairly light on them. Mm. Um, I think that's quite likely. Um, you're likely to see much more kind of physics physicsy uh, kind of combat. I imagine you have like a lot of the Max Payne three collapsing into objects and reacting appropriately elements to them. Um, the kind of like brief uh, sort of fleeting exteriors you get of New York City could look spectacular in that engine, could look really, mm. really good. Um, I imagine they'll look a bit, a bit like Max Payne 3's New York sections, but maybe it'll be more stylized. Do you um you think about like the graphic novel presentation element? Could that be um, uh, updated in a kind of visually spectacular Ooh. way? And you know what I mean? Like um, you would imagine they're not just going to do exactly the same thing. Yeah. Um, w- will it- Sam Lake's face still be in Max Payne 1? <laughs> Probably not. You know? Well,
1: that's that's the other thing with with both of them is that they the look of max Payne one is still like so singular in that it used all the kind of photographs of like real world textures it hasn't i wouldn't say it's aged massively like it still really captures a sense of place and it looks like those places in that particular time which i really really like about it and i'd be sad to see them like lose lose that particular like texture i mean that was the thing that struck me replaying max Payne one more than anything you were like oh atmospherically this really really holds up the visual vibe of it is is so perfectly matches the kind of hardball dialogue and um this feels like really really coherent as a world and even if some of the locations are a bit drab now and there's a lot of like warehouses and car parks and things um it's Its actual kind of handling of those places is like interesting enough to kind of elevate them above like just the mere kind of cliches that they are. That there's almost a version where you can do those same locations and they could be a lot worse. That's the risk, you know. If if you lose that unique tone, it's how you kind of how you kind of maintain that energy without, you know, in the updating.
0: Yeah, I think they're probably four years away from coming out. These, I think, like we're a long way off those. I mean, they're polishing up uh, Alan Wake 2 um you know that's a, that's, a, that's a way off yet so um I think that this these remakes are a long long way away um I don't think they're even close to being like ready but uh you know uh, certainly I actually don't mind them taking a bit more artistic license with it um the it's not like the original games are going away at all um mm. they're right they're right there on Xbox 3 uh, Series X and S and 1 for you to play right now if you've got a disc copy pop it in just play it works really good so I don't mind them yeah you know, taking a sort of like a, sort of some broader strokes of how they do it and but I would I agree that like it'd be nice to retain the very specific uh, mythical New York atmosphere of those games. There is something kind of really winning about the original aesthetic as well that kind of like late 90s early noughties, 3D accelerator kind of aesthetic, you know, there's right. sort of like, the, the thing that connects games like Deus Ex 2 uh sorry Deus Ex 2 Max Payne is you know what I mean like they're just that sort of like blocky sort of like art style Uh, just that repeated sort of textures in kind of realistic locations and nighttime city settings you just saw this a lot a lot at this time on PC it's very unique to PC this aesthetic and I find it quite quite comforting um so yeah
1: I see those and I remember thinking You know, I don't think they look photorealistic now, but I remember at the time being like, wow, you know, they've really done it. They've captured the entire world. Like, this is what the world looks like. This is so incredible. And replaying it, you know, even if I don't think that now, I can still kind of tap into that memory and and feel the satisfaction of it.
0: One thing I really liked that they mentioned in that um, making of piece, actually, was that the... um well there are, there are a couple of things like the uh the graphic novel sections they they did so they um they wouldn't have to like waste more time and resources on trying to do bad cutscenes basically so mm. by stripping that out um they saved themselves a bunch of money and it allowed them to be able to like move bits of the story around as they saw fit like mm. taking editors approach in a way you otherwise wouldn't be able to with a game that's got like cinematics that motion captured and stuff mm. um whereas like um but the other thing that they said it gives uh, it gives us an advantage is it allows you as a player to fill in the gaps between the panels of what the world actually looks like so there is the world as it's presented to you as a player but then there is this additional layer of narrative where you are invited to think to think more about the substance of this world and the rest of the world out there and that it's not just a sequence of like you know a a subway station and like a bank and all these kind of like generic locations so yeah i think there's something in that i think it's like it just invites you to fill in the gaps a bit um Mm. so yeah yeah really good stuff
1: There was a slightly sad note in that making of as well where he talks about the the decision to go with the sort of photo textures because he says originally they were going for a more hand-drawn art style when they switched to it he was like this was definitely the right move but like in the studio some of the artists were like this is the end of the artist they said yeah you know like this isn't so much the beginning as an end of like our craft as we switch into a new era where it becomes less about what we make and more about how we just harness the real world and you're like yeah that is true i mean
0: well it's true to an extent but then the way video game art is created still has a place for that kind of art for sure like you know Mm. concept art and you know it you know it was made by two dozen people i think they said the original max Payne. um And so, obviously, game studios now are like 200 people plus, so you can have like you know uh, basically a sprawling art department with people with different roles and stuff. So, it probably felt that way in the moment, but it doesn't feel like the importance of that kind of art has gone away at all. um mm. But mm. the other thing is as well, like I think the first game's like graphic novel sections look a lot rougher than the second games when you play them back now. Like the second game's got a really nice kind of color palette to it, and. Um, you kind of sense that Sam Blake and the actress playing Mona in the first game are not actors by trade, like in terms of their expressions and stuff. Um, <laughs> it feels a bit more like those um, sexy son kind of like comic strips we've discussed in the podcast before, Matthew. <laughs> Do you dream, know what I mean? Dear, dear yeah, dream. that's it, yeah. Um, so there's a bit of that to it. So I think the second one does it a lot better. Um, there was another
1: article where a guy mentioned because they filled, they used so many of their friends and family as like the models for them. Yeah. and uh there was something about you know seeing like oh as my dad is like hoodlum number three in this car park <laughs> or whatever and just this idea of like seeing loved ones you know maybe i think you may even said like now deceased you know to see them like live on in this really weird form is, yeah, is quite yeah. strange for them
0: <laughs> that is quite interesting yeah like it's a very very specific um yeah it's almost like got the air of like a local sort of theater production or something like yeah. that like um we just had to get anyone we could involved i think like um the edge piece which i will link because we've cited it so much here um in like the uh, on twitter and in uh, the patreon post is that like um is that the AMD CTO is in there as one of the people? Oh, yeah. And I, I was like, oh, "That's kind of kind of neat." Um, just like anyone we could get our hands on was just in this game. I think the uh, bad guy is Sam Lake's mum. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah the the, the the sort of the evil woman at the head of it all. <laughs> wow. Okay. Yeah. That's uh, that's really really good. Um, but yeah, I think like um, he basically he said for I think he uh, he reflected that his his likeness being used was something that. How, were they deeper into the game and he could take it back? He might have done when it could, when he realizes how front and center he was as a figure <laughs> in the game. um And like uh, in the second game, he chose not to, so he could just focus on actually writing the game because otherwise mm. he'd been doing loads of different, like you know, he putting loads of effort and time into this. Whereas, um yeah, but it's, it is funny because when he made that decision, no one knew who he was, so yeah. it didn't seem like it was going to have any kind of repercussions. But the success of the game means that that guy is now synonymous with that character like forever it's like the main thing people talk about with sam lake still um and he leans into it in quite a fun way i think it's also made him the impromptu
1: spokesman for remedy and i know that he's 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 super high up there now but at the time you know like for a writer to be the face of a studio is quite unusual
0: (laughs) um but also the fact that like um the way that alan wake would riff on that by having him in game and stuff um Mm. so yeah he has become like de facto sort of remedy guy like have you seen, i think we, we mentioned definitely mentioned this on a previous episode have you seen the um his little remedy retrospective thing where there's a guy playing music in the background um i think it's like petriolenko um the composer on the remedy games like um he's playing music in the background he, do, he does this almost kind of like not quite william shatner but like spoken word kind of like history of remedy over the top of this music have you seen that before oh, i haven't no it just seems super like he just really leans into being a bit of a character in a way that i think is quite fun so um, yeah 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 it would be really weird if you went to a different studio because you'd be like well you're the remedy guy so you can't ever leave <laughs> you're to yeah, just have to yeah. stay here um <laughs> so any for any uh further notes on max Payne one and two matthew or should we take a quick break and discuss max Payne three let's talk max Payne three back to the podcast so in this section we're going to discuss max Payne 3 we've ticked off one and two um after uh Rebedee made max Payne 2 which was actually like a bit of a commercial flop at the time um they sold the rights to uh rockstar games who had published a second game uh, and essentially used the money um, and the kind of freedom that the money bought to um basically like con- to, to conceptualize alan wake um which was a very um, long development process quite famously and meanwhile rockstar would do something with max Payne at some point um, but it wouldn't emerge. Uh, what what that would be wouldn't emerge until 2009 when it was revealed that they were making Max Payne 3 um, set in uh, Sao Paulo. And um, the game was meant to come out in 2009, I believe, but then ended up coming out like in 2012. So like a very long development process wow. there um there's a really interesting game informer article about um the original reveal uh matthew did you read that at all before this
1: i haven't no
0: okay so i'll I'll recap the really interesting bits one they weren't going to use james McCaffrey at all as the voice actor um Uh they were going to cast someone new as max payne two they had this whole kind of sao paulo favela thing from the start um which would which would be a major part of like um the sort of like gameplay experience of the game and um the the time frame i believe was changed from i think it's set 12 years after max Payne 2 in this game and former article then i think it's only eight years after max Payne 2 in the um the finished game right so that there was that kind of going on there was nothing about flashbacks to new york and stuff uh in there um and so my theory matthew on how max Payne 3 comes to be and there's not loads out there on the making of this game is that I think Rockstar settled on the Sao Paulo idea first built the favela level as a kind of proof of concept uh, kind of like uh, like uh, all the screenshots in this game informer article are from that level um Ooh. quite clearly and a lot of them look like shot for shot of what they would actually be in the finished game and then I think everything around it sort of like changed quite a lot in development but they kept that core setting and built it from there and that's where they kind of layer in the kind of flashbacks and the um Uh, and all this sort of stuff but that yeah what they started with was a bold max Payne in a favela shooting a load of dudes in their 20s um (laughs) who are wearing football shirts and stuff and then built a game from that but um yeah that's just a little bit of background there matthew but i I was curious about like how you feel about max Payne 3 coming back to this this is kind of like partly why i wanted to do the episode because you started playing it again and we had some quite interesting discussions offline about this like um max Payne 3 what's the matthew castle verdict in 2012 sorry in (laughs) 2022
1: On PC, I think this is a, a really fun action game. I think it's not a very good Max Payne game. I think Rockstar, Gonna Rockstar, and Rockstar all over it. And what you have is a very different voice to Remedy, who already had a really well-established voice. So that's why it's particularly jarring. You're going from something so specific to something else so specific and i don't think they even really attempt to capture what made the remedy games remedy games and while i'm still like a little bit sad about that and i think it's kind of a missed opportunity and i don't particularly like the rockstar voice in this game i do enjoy the action of it though as mentioned in the previous section, even here, I think the bullet time combat just runs runs out of ideas way before the end. But I am eating my own words in that I, I literally ha- I hated this game when I first played it. I thought it was terrible. Uh, either I've mellowed, or it's that different a play experience on PC. But I played it through in two sittings quite happily and had a pretty pretty great time
0: yeah i think this game is transformatively better on pc and like i'm not a big guy for like going around and saying you have to play us on pc or you're getting half the experience like i'm not that guy at all but there's something about bullet time and the level of precision required to like master this game that means that i think mouse and keyboard control is a must so I mm-hmm. started playing this again on... Um, I only played this once at the time. I remember it being quite arduous. I like dying a lot and it has an adaptive difficulty which means it drops some painkillers in your inventory if you're struggling with a section, which I, I really like. But like it, it was... Um, I just remember it being very hard work when it was over. I was like, thank God. Um, you know, I, I appreciated how kind of like lavish it was as a rock star production. Some amazing environmental design in this, I think. Even though they're making a linear game as opposed to a an open world one um i've mentioned the soundtrack by health last time but playing this now with a mouse and keyboard is it is so badass the action it feels so so good um it like it looks like tons better on pc as well like <laughs> right. um, this is basically like if you if you were like why do they never bring this game out on ps4 and xbox one this is that version on pc like this is like the super high fidelity character models And just like, you know, beautiful looking physics, like really detailed environments. All that stuff is like tons better on PC than it is on console. So if you can't play on PC, definitely do that. Um, So yeah, I I really think it makes a massive difference, Matthew. Because I went through sections where I I would die like once or twice and that was it. But then one of the things you said to me I found really funny was um, this is a game about a guy who dives into rooms headshotting people with like three bullets and like the entire room just collapses and then he moves on and like (laughs) that is so true that this is a game that where it's like i i I saw it before it's like another attritional cover shooter that had bullet time in it because it felt like it had to because it was max pain here it's like i barely ever sit in cover and i'm always in bullet time Um, because it's so generous with when it lets you do the slow motion jump dive basically Um, you're always doing it
1: it it just has it has no flow on console and I say it because I started replaying it on console for this episode and was like oh man this is every bit as rancid as I remember like it's just so vague and spongy there's like no precision to it the enemies are incredibly precise um it's super super difficult you know so much of what the game's trying to do aesthetically, particularly with the music. It's the flow. You know, the music's got this, like, trance, like, kind of beat to it. And it's about, like, forwards, forwards. You're always moving forwards. You know, it's got this real kind of drive to it. Except you never, ever uh, hit that that sweet space on console, at least in my experience. Maybe this is a good situation, but I'm pretty sure it's just a spongy old mess and the frame rate just isn't up for it. Like, it doesn't give you the the speed and reactivity. But when you do hit that space, you really charge through this game. And there's some sequences which I just... I just don't think make any sense if you're dying over and over again. Like There's just no satisfaction to it. Like, there's a lot of chases in this game and it's so stop-start that all the kind of drama and tension of the situation is drained if, if you're not able to just rinse it. But I would say, though, the kind of flip side to that and the I think a huge missed opportunity because of the difficulty and because of what you're able to do on PC, it's so much about efficiency that I don't think you ever get to see the environments torn up in a way that you really want to see. To me, it feels like loads of rooms where you're like, oh man, this is gonna this is gonna be wrecked. But actually you do two shoot jumps, shoot all twelve people in the head between those two jumps, and move on. And like there's barely a scratch on the place where with this level of environment design, this level of like detail and like physics and everything you can do in a modern game, like I'd really love a version of this where you can like turn around at the end of the fight and just go yikes! Look at the state of this place. I mean, there are, there are a few levels where there are exceptions, which have got a lot of like plate glass windows and things which shatter in a really nice way. But I I do think that is like a strange contradiction at the heart of this game.
0: Uh, I, see, it sounds like you're even better at it than I am. I have like I think I had the I can't remember if I complete three A model, the second option, which is like partial lock on with free aim but like um i would still miss shots for sure like i had to be like mega precise still and mouse control definitely gives you that but like i wasn't hitting every shot so i would still see environments get torn up bits of cover rip apart in this um they're like the the office sequences in particular are quite good for showing off the kind of like debris that goes everywhere and the kind of like how messy it gets Mm. um yeah i sort of like uh, i don't i don't it's true though. i don't factor that in as like a massive part of the game it's not like you come out of an environment and it's like that um uh sort of bank lobby sequence in uh, the matrix where it's just you know com-
1: i think that and that is still like a, a gaming sort of fantasy for me you know like I, you know i mentioned it earlier strangle i think stranglehold which i think is an all right game actually it has you fighting in one location for so long that it's like bound to be torn up and it just feels like a bit of a wasted opportunity. Like, I'd almost want a mode in this where you have, like, infinite bullet time and, like, an infinite machine gun just so I can churn up the environments. Like, I wish that unlocked at the end. Like, I just (laughs) want to see, like, what damage I can actually do because everyone in this game is so lethal, you and the enemies, that it's it's, it's just too precise to ever really get as hectic as it needs to. And I'd say that's the same about 360. You know, they're, you know, it's, they kill you so fast. You know the things you're hitting are kind of by accident. I don't know. I just uh, that that's like that that remains a, a problem I have with it. But definitely the kind of the sensation of like jumping into a room and blasting everyone and like how reactive their bodies are because it has that mad is it euphoria i think it is Yeah, that's which right. is like the, the 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 sort of next gen kind of ragdoll physics basically you know that that was always the stuff i was really excited about cuz you know i loved all that shit in um, GTA 4 and i remember when rockstar was making this i was so excited for this game cuz i thought you know max pain but with those insane like injury and like people falling downstairs kind of physics it's going to look so good but actually what what i encountered was so frustrating that, that i never really got to enjoy that but you know this playthrough on pc i i did i it's uh spectacularly horrible game in so many ways <laughs> the violence of this the bullet cam shots of like people's like it's they they wince when they're bleeding like they're they're like really like ah on their faces as like a bullet goes out the back of their head and like the exit wound just looks disgusting
0: yeah the exit wounds are like brain plumes like they're just like <laughs> you just see this kind of like sort of fountain of like red and stuff <laughs> as the bullet comes out and like yeah it's really nasty but it, it makes like your enemies feel like much more than just disposable they feel like I've just like shot a person. Um, and that may not be like to your liking, um, which, which fair enough if it's not. But I think it really, it really lands as a kind of way to extend the Max Payne formula. Um, yeah. I, I suppose like the, uh, so I, I, of all the levels, I, I played nine chapters of this. Um, you've, I know you played the whole thing. So my highlight by far was the favela level because I think that I did actually like, I enjoyed pretty much every level I played. Like I really dug it would have given the original game a seven at the time i would have to give this at least an eight on pc like it's uh, i absolutely think everyone should play it on pc it's really really good but the favela level i love because it felt like a labyrinth There was a lot of like there's a lot of like tiny pathways but very like tall buildings surrounding you where people are shooting you from a great height and you always feel like you're stuck in a pit trying to like stay alive and it feels to me that like that was the starting the starting point of the game that was the conceit of the game it's like well, okay, we've matched a, a style of level to a real-world location, which will drive the tone of the game, and like it, the level just it just feels really good because like you go into like a courtyard, and there's like six dudes pointing guns at you who are all on like who all have the higher ground on you, and it's really stressful but quite exciting. So mm. I I really dug that actually. Um, mm. But I was curious, Matthew, what was kind of your highlight from replaying it?
1: I, I really like the level where the you sort of go to your boss's headquarters just because it's a really, like, modern, glamorous building and there's lots of glass in it, which, you know, you can't help but really wreck a room in in that particular level. And I was like, oh, yeah, this this is more like this. This is what I want. More than specific levels, I really like the sort of cinematic kind of... I don't know, they're not really quick time events, but, like, most levels have one or two moments where you're put into, like, forced bullet time and you do something that's quite bespoke. So, like, in the first level, you slide down this ramp and have to shoot a guy in the head, but there's a couple of moments where you sort of hold onto this sort of chain and shoot this pulley, and it kind of pulls you up through quite a tall building, and you get about 15 seconds of just straight bullet time, which you, like, never get in these games otherwise. And there's just enemies swarming in, and as you're getting pulled up on this chain, you're just shooting each one of them in the head, and it's just absolutely brilliant. Like it's it's just, it looks so cool. You feel so powerful. I mean, it'll be the same every time. It's not an emergent moment. In fact, it's something remedy never ever do. Like they they rarely take control away from you in that way. But it's it's something where you know I thought those landed you know really really well. And um, there's another one where you like jump onto this like trolley uh wheels across this room as you sort of machine gun down everyone on this kind of opposite ledge and i I really like those moments just because you know it's a chance to see the the most environmental collapse the most slow motion the most bodies kind of pirouetting in slow motion it's that's really what i want from this game so you know if, if there was anything from this i'd want remedy to take for their remakes it would be to maybe like add moments like this
0: yeah that was something they had um in mind from the start like it's mentioned in the game informer article um and like the chain one yeah it, that's part of the favela level and i thought that was like an amazing moment and then it leads to kind of like a quite fun sequence where you're clearing out a warehouse full of people um yeah really really good i agree with you those kind of work incredibly well the the tough thing about this game matthew we discussed this on 2012 the tone is it's such hard work the tone in this game isn't it it's so dreary like max is a kind of like max is not a fun character at all in the, in, in the second one he's so preposterous that other characters even point out sometimes just how miserable he is and like he's <laughs> mocked by vlad the villain in the game as like you just never have any fun in life you're always so miserable all the time and this game is kind of like <clears throat> we discussed this last time but there's a heightened comic book reality to max Payne one and two that this game doesn't subscribe to this game is like he's like uh he has a flea uh flea uh new jersey and basically just live to become like private security in brazil to make ends meet bottom of the bottle all this stuff it's very sincere in how it tells the story but it's just not very fun Um, there's so many sequences
1: of him being sick because he's an alcoholic yeah yeah like him puking into his toilet or him like falling over his coffee table i was like oh (laughs) yikes
0: Yeah, Um, he's not a fun hang in this, Max Payne, Um, I will say that. Um, And I think that is kind of a bummer. Like That's probably the element that's dated the most, is just how dreary it is. Did you find that too?
1: Yeah, definitely. I, I, I think the difference is Remedy being a Finnish studio they're total outsiders and while the game has this like quite miserable hard-boiled style there is something kind of wide-eyed about its love of genre you know it's these people who are like we sent some of our guys over to New York you know it's kind of the New York of pop culture you know there is an admiration there is a there is a kind of wonder to it which gives you that, that very sort of cinematic universe. Where Rockstar, as with everything with Rockstar, is always done with a sneer. I think that's that's the difference. I don't think Remedy have that sneer in them. Maybe a smirk, but there's a huge difference. I think Rockstar like just the the sort of venom for everyone in this world you know it's not just enough to be a villain it's like oh you know his vo is full of this you know these vacuous stupid millionaires and all this stuff and you're like oh i just get it but it's just like a it's like this like nasty teenager with like nothing nice to say about anyone i (laughs) it just it's really like grinds you down like it's my least favorite thing about all rockstar games is they just think they're above everything it's just so wearying you know and i just i don't think there's like an ounce of that in Remedy I think they are so much more like chilled and sort of vibing with the genre and yeah I'd say that's the
0: difference it's interesting how this game sort of falls in terms of like the tone and story because I don't think it's like got an eye on the ball massively when it comes to what it's trying to say about either the character or the world itself like they picked a setting that had like a big kind of wealth gap and like um admittedly this game was made in an age before like twitter discourse about things like um police officers and the wealth gap and what that means and you mm-hmm. know the ethics of like billionaires existing and, and things like that that like are quite hotly discussed now so it live it feels like it lives very pre that in a lot of ways like you are working for a millionaire um he max deliberately kind of calls him like a good guy and stuff and it's it's like it feels like they are the victims to some extent but then this militia comes after Max because he's murdered so many of their people. And so is the game trying to say, look at this bad thing you did. But then you go to a favela and shoot loads of like kids in their 20s, basically, um, who are work- probably working out of desperation for this gang leader. Like Morally, it's very murky. And I can't tell what it's trying to say about anything. There's moments
1: where it almost hints that, that it is going to like tie back into Max Payne 1 and 2. That it's somehow going to pull it around. There's a lot of talk about like revenge and like your past sins kind of catching up with you and actually the the kind of sins that catch up with him are like relatively modern day things nothing to do with the first two games and you know i almost think this game misses like a third act rug pull where actually it is about like the sort of illuminati bullshit or whatever from the first two and i I think it would almost land a lot better if it did that like, it could be quite a sort of fun twist in. Maybe the rest of the game tonally, like, doesn't allow them to do that. But it's sort of surprisingly bleak and sort of surprisingly straight about what it's about in terms of the the plot and kind of who's out to get him and everything. And, you know, in terms of, like, the wider ethics stuff, I just... Uh, you just come out of it thinking, well, they just they sort of hate everyone. Like, everyone gets it.
0: It is weird because I, I feel like calling it Max Payne 3 is part of the issue with the tone here, where it's like... The fact that they were recasting, they originally had were planning to recast Max Payne, take him to this vastly different environment, and kind of like do this Sao Paulo set, Tony Scott-esque uh, story, makes me think that they basically wanted to soft reboot Max Payne, um, but instead the end result ends up like awkwardly threading the Max he used to know, and this new version of Max, where it's really hard to connect to here like um he writes off the whole romance with Mona and Max Payne 2 in like a single line while he's in front of the grave of his wife like it's it's like oh yeah it was just like a love thing and kind of moves on but it doesn't really add up as a kind of backstory for the man and so when it kind of makes this tonal shift into being dreary and nihilistic like you say um that's only really part of the tonal package of um, Max Payne 2 and I think that like Rockstar understands what the difference is, but I think they just wanted to do something so different and maybe those two things just don't coalesce in the way that maybe you'd want them to. Maybe it just has to be one or the other, you know?
1: But even the New York flashbacks in this, they're nothing like the original Max Payne. Like, they're so much uglier. What the character's doing, the language they use, the kind of behaviour is so much more, like like
0: vicious and unpleasant yeah like a veteran guy who suicide bombs and kills all those dudes for example that yeah. that's quite, it's quite intense that stuff um
1: but even like the yeah. fact that they're all kind of you know they're dealing with these like horrible kind of racist teenagers in the kind of bar and stuff and like they're really like repellent but not in a fun way like you go back to max Payne one and two and the gangsters are like properly comedy gangsters <laughs> yeah, um, they are, yeah, but in this one it's all kind of well, you can't even repeat it, it's so unpleasant, you know? And you're yeah. like, Oh, yikes like yes, I do want to shoot these people, but
0: like not not
1: not in the same way that I want to shoot a comedy gangster.
0: <laughs> yeah. I, I really like I, I kind of admire the idea that they had such a firm idea of like we've seen these films like city of god or whatever they had these like influences they were drawing from and they had a they obviously have a really confident idea of like this is what we want to do this is the setting we want to do went there and like um scanned people who live there i understand it got some flack for like some of the portuguese in the game not quite being right there's a lot of people in this game who shout portuguese slur for a sex worker at you and it's (laughs) like you hear that you hear that word a lot in this game and like it sums it up quite nicely like everyone is like irredeemably awful the cops are corrupt everyone in this gang is incredibly unpleasant max himself is not a pleasant character it's a it's a lot and it's like it doesn't have any of the kind of like cheeky fun elements that um rockstar games usually have and that max Payne too had an abundance so um i'm with you on that um mm. it doesn't have like a an italian mobster boss who is very invested in lords and ladies like that's just not part of the, the formula here um <laughs> So, uh, Matthew, um, do you think there's headroom for another Max Payne game after replaying Max Payne 3?
1: I think there's definitely room for the remakes they're making. I think there's yeah. definitely room for a more modern, more technologically advanced version of those games, which have got a really nice established tone and story for them to kind of work within and sort of play within. I, I wouldn't want more of Max Payne 3, Max Payne. Like, just tonally, I just it, it's just unfun to hang with i just don't i just don't think there's 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 much left in in that character and you know even though we we maybe disagree on the bullet time i i just i just don't know if there's much in the bullet time because even by the end of max Payne 3 i felt like they they had nothing new to say with it i think they had a few tricks like early on in the game like using bullet time to shoot grenades and stuff that's really cool but there was nothing new in the final third like it was just repeating itself by then you know again as i said earlier about red dead redemption 2 like any game with bullet time i just i feel like by the end i'm just shooting everyone in the head so perfectly i'm like well what's what's the point
0: (laughs) yeah i think like um maybe uh, yeah (laughs) i do like bullet time more than you but like um the thing it comes down to for me is like bullet time was replaced with cover shooting and then no one had a better idea than cover shooting so cover shooting is what we had like i don't think like cover shooting changes vastly from hour 1 no. to hour 10 either um and this game of course has both though so, you know your actual time and cover shooting is mostly spent just trying to replenish your bullet time um so you can go back into slow motion and you can pretty much slow mo dive at any point in this game, anyway. Um, mm. But yeah, yeah, I don't think that's fair. Like, it is an overly long game as well. Max Payne three, it's like a lengthy game. Um, not as lengthy playing on PC when you're headshotting like oh games my god, perfectly. It's so it's so quick. Yeah, like,
1: the, discri- the way people describe this game, it just doesn't hold up if you play it on PC. Like, it's so much faster moving. Like that um, that end airport scene, which everyone always talks about. You basically you, you fight through a uh, an airport. Terminal, as a, as yeah. like the, the i'd say probably like the definitive track of the game plays it's just like a three minute like plowing through enemy forces while this really good bit of music plays seeing how that's meant to move and flow on pc that is transformative that scene like it's it's so fucking good that that whole that whole sequence but on um console it just it has it's none of that it's so stop start it's a really miserable rough time
0: yeah that's it i just yeah i I don't reflect on that positively i remember thinking thank fuck when it was over um yeah tears by health that's the that's the track Um, do you want my
1: hot do you want my hot health take (laughs) go on then it's no Uh, randy newman uh health like a lot of the tunes in the game just feel like the automatic drum backing on a school keyboard (laughs) It's just a drum going, ticka, 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 And everyone's like, wow, this is awesome. And you're like, is it? Or is it just a drum going, ticka, 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 ticka? And the only reason people like the airport is because it's a drum going, ticka, ticka, ticka. And then a man sings a bit over the top going like, ooh, he's so sad. Oh, he needs to shoot some people. And everyone's like, oh, I love this fucking album. I'm going to play it at my wedding. Um, <laughs> I mean, give me a fucking break like proper emperor has no clothes that is just a drum that is just a fucking drum
0: i i so i don't think you're completely wrong i think that like there was like a strain of people dying to tell me how much they read pitchfork when this game came out like (laughs) oh fucking fucking health matt like it reminded me of like people talking about arcade fire in 2007 it's like i get it mate i get that this is like a cornerstone of your personality but like but (laughs) i will say that i think that this game doesn't sound like other games and like whether you question the kind of complexity of like the drum effect or whatever like it it does give it its own atmosphere and vibe and like that yeah i don't don't know like it's there's just the, the kind of like the different sort of flourishes they use in the in the music work very very well um and yeah, I don't know it kind of I think it, I think it does add to it for sure
1: it's definitely like totally kind of coherent as a piece, you know it yeah. all fits together, and the music definitely ties it together. I just
0: like you can't hum it. <laughs> yeah for sure and you definitely can't sing along to tears because you can't work out. Exactly <laughs> it. that's like a lot of his like singing isn't it um tell you what though um stone fist by health that's a good song there's a few good health songs matthew probably about probably about six six that i like but um yeah <laughs> there you go my, that's my one hot max Payne take that's why like everyone who like has any interest in um music has just unsubscribed from the patreon hearing us describe that that's like we just lost like 400 quid doing that matthew it's uh yeah good <laughs> stuff um i have some thoughts on this matthew as well on the the whole another max Payne game thing mm. um i don't really need to see a sequel i agree with you on that um i would be more into a strain of max pain likes that riff on the visual style of the original game as we've seen with shooters like dusk and amid evil in recent oh, years riffing on quake and things like that that way, I think you can borrow and iterate on the gameplay style, then adjust the world around the character based on whatever fictional influences they'd like to bring in. I'd love to see like a, like maybe like two or three games like that, where they're like, you know, we're kind of just funding a sort of Max Payne alike, basically, and like um, you immediately know it when you see gameplay of it, but it's maybe a little bit different, just like how we've seen with so many PC revival yeah. movements. So, An yeah. aesthetic revival. Exactly, yeah. I think I'd see that. I'd rather that more than like, what did Max do after his Desert Island and Max Payne Three like that dude? I don't. I don't want to spend any more time with that guy. He's just too miserable. You should frankly.
1: Just go back to Remedy where they have to try and like somehow write out of the hole that they put them in. Max Payne Three, where he's like, <laughs> oh, now I am sad about Mona
0: again. <laughs> yeah, and also it's like I, I have re-entered a slightly daft noir world and stuff. <laughs> um, yeah, very, uh, very hard to kind of like join those up. But no, I think that I think Max Payne's kind of done as a series. Um, it doesn't seem like it's high on rockstar's agenda is a thing to revisit versus the the money makers that are gta and red dead so um yeah i think it's probably done for now but i'm okay with that as a trilogy of games um well the first two are certainly coherent with each other and the third is its very own beast but i am pleased to have come away from playing max Payne 3 thinking it's a lot better and that actually like you say reading some of the reviews from the time those takes don't date well when you play the pc version because you're like i promise you the definitive version of this experience is around and you will love this you just need to play it without a controller Mm. um so that's my that's the big take matthew so anything more to add matthew or should we take a quick break and come back with our final ill-advised section (laughs) of this podcast let's take a deep breath and do it okay good welcome back to the third and final section of this podcast the did max payne say this or not quiz this reminded me of like the kind of the, the name of the podcast the back page it's um it's a riff on the back page jokes that would come in um, uk games magazines i think some us mags did them too And the whole thing with those is they were comedy under duress. That is, there is a deadline. (laughs) We have to think of something funny. Good comedy either happens under duress or it doesn't happen. Like it's either like a hit or a total miss. And like (laughs) the ongoing existence of Saturday Night Live is testament to this. It's like you have to make a whole hour of TV show and jokes in a week. If you're having a bad week, it's an absolute train wreck. Um, <laughs> if you're having a good week, it might enter the pop culture sort of consciousness um, permanently and be talked about for decades. Now, this section is um, more on the train wreck side, I would say. Because I'm not in like the most jolly mood, it's the end of like an Easter holiday period. Um, I was stressed in coming up with this. Matthew, you pitched this. Do you want to explain the concept of what we're doing here?
1: Max Payne has a famous hard-boiled tone where he speaks in this metaphor, simile-laden, overwritten, angsty text, which on the surface seems very easy to mimic and mock. (laughs) So I thought we could do a quiz where we tried to come up with lines in the style of Max Payne, lace them with real lines from Max Payne, and see if we could deceive one another. So uh, I think we each have 10 lines. Some of them are real Max Payne lines. Some of them are fake Max Payne lines. And can we
0: tell the difference? Here's something funny, Matthew. Um, I've misunderstood the concept here. And I've done, basically, I've got like 10 sets of like, there's a real quote and then a fake quote. Um, so I've got 20 of what you're pitching, basically. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, so oh, now let- no you
0: were stressing out. <laughs> yeah that's why it took me so fucking long i put like an hour and a half into this it took ages and none of them are funny i was so upset at the end i was like oh my god i'm going on to the podcast of this non-comedy to like basically murder the episode at the end um (laughs) so i think matthew what we should do is because i've got like an a and b for each one of my 10 maybe we should like do yours or mine first and do the others would that make sense yeah. Should I do yours first? Like, Do, do you want to like read me yours and I should try and guess if they're real or not?
1: I was going to do them in a semi Max Payne voice to help get you in
0: the mood. Oh, yeah, go, go ahead. Um, should I do the theme tune? <laughs> there you go. A bit of noir there. <laughs> great.
1: Here's my <laughs> number one. What is it with rich people in their towers? Sure, they could look down
0: on us, but it also meant a whole lot further to fall. I think that's fake because there's. A bunch of other, like, lines like that in Max Payne 3. Am I right there? Or is it is that real? No, that is fake. Okay, good. Okay, good, good. Um, okay. All right. One out that of sets, 10. good.
1: That sets the tone.
0: <laughs> okay, go, good. Go on, number two. The sign next to the door read, no vacancies. When I was done with the place, there'd be plenty. That is real, I think. Um, Max Payne 1 and 2, I feel, uh, that one. But, um, yeah, I think that's real. That's fake. Ah, oh, there you go. You are, you are basically Sam Lake, Matthew. Oh my know. God! If if I trick you enough, I get a job at Remedy. <laughs> it's like the reward, and then that's the you prize. just leave the podcast. Okay. There you uh, go.
1: Quote okay. number three. Out in the night, snow fell like confetti over the devil's parade. The storm was anything but over.
0: I think that's probably real. That is real. Okay, so I've got, like, two out of four so far, is that right? Yeah, something like that. (laughs) Yeah, okay, I've got two right, anyway. Two out Uh, of three, yeah. Okay, good, yeah.
1: I had a bullet with Lem's name on it, and a bullet etched with the name of every man that stood between me and him. At the very least, I got to practice
0: my handwriting. God, there's just... It's plausibly a Matthew Castle flourish there at the end. Um, I'm going to say fake. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) yeah. is it fake
1: yeah it's fake as shit
0: <laughs> it's like it's a bit too much detail for max there he usually does like two clauses max oh um, god damn it i thought i was st-
1: <laughs>
0: originally it finished all told 500 bullets <laughs> <laughs> was just garbage. well the thing is when you get to mine you'll see that some i have made tricky on purpose and some of them were like clearly meant to be a joke um so I'm glad we divided this up now. So okay. how many? Is that? I've got correct now. Three. I've got correct. I think three or four. Or four. Okay, my three out of uh, four, job yeah. prospects aren't looking good. <laughs> Go on. I felt thin as death.
1: I'd been living on an endless supply of weak old donuts. They were fuel for this crazy furnace inside my head.
0: Ah, uh, God. Does Maxic donuts? Uh I think that might be fake. That's real. <laughs> uh, okay. Damn it. Okay. So that's three I if I
1: picked donuts, you'd think it was a fake one.
0: Ah, oh, nice, good, good strategy there.
1: I thought, yeah. Well, I don't want to give away any more of my plots, yeah, uh, any of my plots, any of my uh, my uh, plans. It's
0: like the draft all over again. Yeah.
1: The place lit up like a Christmas tree, but there was no jolly red fat man coming down the chimney. Only me, and I didn't care if you'd been naughty or nice. Oh, God, I
0: think that might be real. That's fake. Ah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I guess. I guess. In retrospect, it does seem pretty fake. Yeah. Uh, I think. Like, I don't care if you've been naughty or nice. Does sound like something Max would say. Um, yeah. Okay. Your, your job. Your job prospects on the remakes are just just perked up a bit, Matthew. <laughs> nice. Okay. Next up.
1: With all the junk they shoveled into their veins, they didn't even notice when someone started injecting their friends with lead. I think
0: that's real. That's fake. Oh! <laughs> Wow, you're pretty good at this. That's a, That could be a Max Payne one-line. I wouldn't even bet. Yeah. He could run,
1: but with a bullet in his stomach like a broken bottle of Tabasco, he was quickly running
0: out of time. Uh, that sounds fake. That's real. Oh, fuck's sake. <laughs> Oh, three out- i three thought from tabasco three out- you <laughs> yeah yeah you know, so you're just picking food stuff so it'd throw me off <laughs> donuts and tabasco i ate my bucket of fried chicken and then shot him in the head it's like oh that sounds fake matthew and you're like no that's real and yeah. i'm like i don't remember that bit but yeah i went uh,
1: into mezzo and ate three <laughs> few baguettes you're like that's fake i'm like no that was real that was in max pain three um
0: yeah, I guess right. he didn't play enough of it. But yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's on the last level. We have to kill Tony. <laughs> Intermezzo's who's uh, really discussed Sao Paulo um, franchise. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, next up. Vinny Cogniti had guts. Too
1: bad I had to spill them across half the rooftops of New York City. I'd heard of painting the town red, but never figured myself for a decorator. think that's fake. <laughs> yeah, that's fake. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, that just sounds like yeah, again, there's just a bit too wordy, that one. It's oh, not that... for fuck's sake. Well, he's not that wordy, is he? He fits it all into, like, you know, a tiny little um, thought bubble panel. So, yeah. But then I got the Jolly Red Fat Man one wrong, so what do I know? Here's <laughs> the last one. Yeah. The family treated me like a glorified nanny. Mary Poppins with an alcohol problem and a Beretta strapped to her hip. Gosh. I don't remember that line from playing Max Payne 3. I don't remember a Mary Poppins reference, but I was drinking some wine when I played the opening chapters. <laughs> Um, <laughs> you're I'm as gonna... bad as max Payne. <laughs> yeah i am a little bit i did drink a lot of red wine this weekend i'll take a punt on that being real that's fake ah why don't i just follow my instincts yes so um... i got four out of ten right for me so it's not very good <laughs> so you win that one i would <laughs> yeah
1: say. that means i get a job
0: <laughs> oh, yeah go, have fun um uh, yeah and i'm I...
1: equally able to
0: write max Payne one and two or three dialogue Unfortunately, uh, Matthew lost the job when he went in on day one and said, Guys, haven't we reached the ceiling of bullet time? And they're like <laughs> Yeah, they're like, We
1: heard your podcast so you slagged us off for an hour. <laughs>
0: <laughs> These games aren't as good as I remember. <laughs> it's like Oh, it's like, oh sorry. I was yeah. trying
1: to offer a counterpoint to the co-host. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, no, I uh yeah, very good. Um gosh, my one. This is so tortured, my one, Matthew. It's gonna take fucking ages, I think. Um Right, so I've basically done it as yeah, it's like one to ten there's an A and a B. You got to decide which one's real and which one's fake. Now, I think this is a lot easier than your one because <laughs> the way you did it made it harder. Um, there's at least at least three joke answers as well. I didn't take <laughs> okay. it that I didn't take it that seriously. I'll be honest. We'll go with number one. So um, A or B? Which one's right or wrong? Mm-hmm. Okay, A. Oh, do I have to do the voice as well? It's entirely up to you. Oh, I don't know what is my max pain voice i had a hole in my second favorite drinking arm and the only way we were likely to get fabiana back now was in installments no i can't do that for this whole thing it takes, it's, it's too much i'm just gonna read it in my voice um okay a i had a hole in my second favorite drinking arm and the only way we were likely to get fabiana back now was in installments uh b every bullet hole felt like a message from hell if i didn't keep moving fabiana was coming back in a body bag a or b which one's real and which one's wrong matthew I think A's real. Correct, yes. Yes! Um, yeah, every bullet hole felt like a message from hell was a bit on the nose, wasn't it? Um, <laughs> uh, so, okay, good. That um, Sam
1: Hauser reading through your, your, your lines for the day going <sighs> through
0: his teeth. <laughs> oh, God. Um, okay, so, uh, two, A, uh, the clientele will your usual mix of low-lives, bottom feeders and social climbers, B, This club had more smoke and mirrors than a strip club locker room.
1: Oh, difficult.
0: I think B's real. Yeah, correct. Um, That's a Max Payne 3 line. I feel like having recently played Max Payne 3 might make some of mine a bit easier, to be honest. Um, (laughs) They both sounded real. Oh, this is really easy, this one. (laughs) Uh, Okay, three. uh, A, um, every bad decision pulled me deeper into the hole, and each time I tried to climb back out, I found myself right back where I started. B, the genius of the whole. No matter how long you spend climbing out, you can still fall back down in an instant. Is B real? Yes, correct. So you've got three for three so far. (laughs) Um, This one, uh, well, let's just see how this one goes. Uh, For A, this place was like Baghdad with G-strings. B, this place was like Basra with thongs.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Thong sounds wrong.
0: Correct, uh, beans. To... <laughs> now, that may have been one of the joke ones. Who can really say? Um... Are you still there? I just
1: like the idea of the scriptwriter in his room going, "Guys, bag that with g-strings or buzzer with thongs."
0: Ah, <laughs> uh, I came up with that this morning and just made myself laugh. And I thought, you know what? It's worth throwing off the sanctity of the quiz just to get that in there. Basra with thongs doesn't made me, made me laugh so much. Oh, oh dear. Guess who googled uh, cities in Iraq this morning? That was fun. Um, and sexy underwear. <laughs> number five. Um, a, love always ended the same way. A beautiful woman lying in a pool of blood paying the price for my mistakes. Uh, B, this is love when someone drags you from the wreckage you, when you have given in, ready to just lie there and die. Oh yikes! Uh, they both sound legit. Is A real? A is mine. I'm afraid that's the same as the original. Um, yeah, I thought that was. I thought I, I did nail the Max Payne tone. Yeah, definitely. Um, Which one was that from? Uh, that's from Max Payne Two. Mm. Mm-hmm. It's a. It's actually quite an incidental line. It's not like a highly quotable one. So I, I tried to kind of mix it up there. <laughs> I didn't even finish my version of the next one. Amazing. <laughs> Um, okay. A. The past is a shattered mirror. Every shard a reflection of the person you used to be. B. The past is a puzzle, like a broken broken mirror. As you piece it together, you cut yourself. Your image keeps shifting, and you change with it. It could destroy you, drive you mad. It could set you free.
1: And if it's B, that's a very ambitious line.
0: Is B real? B is real. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. That's like from Max Payne too. So uh, yeah, very good. Um, okay. Uh, seven. A I'd killed more cops than cholesterol. B I'd killed more cops than corn syrup. Oh yikes. A is real? Yeah. That's <laughs> <right>. <laughs> corn syrup.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't even um, understand
0: that one. Oh, <laughs> is corn syrup deadly? Uh well it's just you know, lots of sugar in it is now. <laughs> That's, that should have been the follow-up line. I told you this is interminable. It already feels like it should be over,
1: but it keeps going. I have killed f- more cops than corn syrup, which, <laughs> let me remind you, is incredibly sugary, and that leads to a lot of health conditions. was <laughs> like, man, the writing in this fourth match frame is shit. <laughs> and who's this red guy coming down the chimney?
0: I... <laughs> <laughs> who's been naughty or nice? Also, it's my Tabesco i fancy a donut right now um okay uh okay uh eight a the smell of this place reminded me of how long it had been since i had any food a drinker eats when he's loaded a real drunk eats when he's not b this place smelled like a smokehouse that needed a health inspector the scent of searing dead bodies filled my lungs smokehouse feels quite you (laughs) i'm gonna say a is real correct um (laughs) I thought smokehouse that needed a health inspector was quite a good little line, personally. I do but, like um, that, but I think not many people would naturally go for smokehouses. <laughs> you know too much about me and, and you my... you like meats. <laughs> yeah, that was really working against me there. Um, uh, okay, uh, nine. A, your past as a way of sneaking up on you. You'll hear broken echoes of it everywhere like a bad replay. You'll get mad at everyone for reminding you about it, even if it's all in your head. B, the past is an old friend crawling up from the gutter, a manifestation of all your most painful moments and fatal decisions. After it's gone, your brain is awash with places and people you spent your whole life trying to forget.
1: Oh, yikes. I mean, they're both quite overwrought. They
0: uh, are
1: indeed.
0: is A real? A is real, correct. Oh. Yeah, eight out of nine so far. Very good. <laughs> okay, um... Ten, the final one. Thank God it's over. A, the past is a gaping hole. You try to run from it, but the more you run, the deeper, more terrible it grows behind you, its edges yawning at your heels. Your only chance is to turn around and face it, but it's like looking down into the grave of your love or kissing the mouth of a gun. A bullet trembling in its dark nest, ready to blow your head off. Um... (laughs) B, the past past is a gaping hole, an unending abyss, pulling you further and further in, a really deep hole, so deep that it keeps going and going, really an inconveniently deep hole. I shout into the really deep... I shout into the really deep hole, hoping to hear Michelle calling back to me, but the only sound is my own voice booming back to me, because it's such an outrageously big hole, both metaphorically and also literally. I mean...
1: B's got to be real, right?
0: <laughs> I think this whole thing was just so I could do that one joke. I think that might be what that entire tortured exercise was, Matthew. But that is what that is what the back page
1: is for in a mag. It's one joke stretched so thin that you lose any uh, grasp of what the original joke was.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what happened there. I really hope the listeners enjoyed that um and then yeah and that like uh yep and the houses i'm sure will just be calling me any day now so uh <laughs> looking forward to that so matthew got um nine out of ten right there uh, and <laughs> i got th- uh, like four out of ten right in his so um he arguably did it better than me but uh, hopefully we both had a good time there matthew did you enjoy yourself I, there i enjoyed
1: it i enjoyed d- yeah doing my best sam lake impression so
0: yeah it was good um okay cool well that's the end of the podcast matthew that was a uh, good fun to revisit the max Payne series there i think we did it justice uh dug deep you've played fucking loads of it i played quite a lot of it so um really earning our patreon bucks there that's good um <laughs> self-consciously doing that <laughs> so if you'd like to find us out there it's um patreon.com backpage pod if you'd like to support the podcast there's a one pound tier and a four pound 50 tier uh, the latter tier gets you bonus podcast as mentioned at the start of the episode um we're twitter backpage pod if you'd like to leave us a review on spotify or uh, apple podcasts uh, we always welcome the support um, particularly if you're in the Americas, where we're trying to kind of find more listeners. I think we're slowly growing in America. got a few uh, Patreon backers from the US. And um, you can find our Discord link in, uh, on our Twitter page as well. Matthew, where can people find you on social media? Mr. Basil underscore Peste. I'm Samuel W. Roberts on Twitter. Thank you very much for listening, and we'll be back next week. Goodbye. Bye.